Okay, welcome back to the Act 2 podcast. Podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And I want to take a second to remind you, (laughs) Act 2 is... First and foremost, a network and support group for everyday working screenwriters. I feel like Josh needs the support group aspect right now. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> yeah. It's my Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi is killing me today. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to skip to <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, today yeah. we're doing... <laughs> it's one of those doing days, stuff. everyone. <laughs> Today we are doing some this week's in writings that have come up because they've been sort of just sort of overwhelmingly on our minds. And I'm going to talk about a script club we did recently in Act 2 and some really cool lessons we learned from reading a particular script. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about characters and how we build them. Yeah. You know what's like really good? for you when you have this dreaded anxiety when you have like a choppy internet connection and you're trying to do these conversations (laughs) is drinking an energy drink. (laughs) It's funny. I have extreme anxiety today and in prep for this podcast, as we do, I drank a cold brew Mm -hmm. and it was funny because I did it. I did it right after meditating too. And it's just, that's not a good one to punch. (laughs) No. No, no, we're good though. I, I cracked open a ZOA. Today's episode is sponsored unofficially by ZOA. And um, it's going to be fine. I'm good. Yeah. We're good. Totally, yeah. Yeah. totally not panicked about my internet disconnecting. Not at all. Not at mm-hmm. all. All right, Tasha. <laughs> Do you want to begin? <laughs> Maybe I should because you're going to break up any second. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Go, go. So, okay. So this, one of my this weeks in writing was about the opening setup of a script that I am writing. And it was driving me crazy because I was getting this note that was telling me it didn't work. And I was like, but it does work and I like it and you're wrong. But the note kept coming back. Like we had writers group last night, Josh, and everyone's note was the opening wasn't working properly uh well you're 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 being a little hard on yourself but yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) that's the basic conclusion i mean i'm gonna break it down of why like what i did and why it's not working because i think we came up with a really interesting answer and i think it's just an important writing lesson um but please feel free to disagree with me but basically what i did is I have three main characters that I'm juggling with in my movie. Um, There is one that is kind of more the hero, of course, for sure. But there are two that you really want to have a very clean arc. You want them all to be working together. They, They should be just as loved and almost just as important as your main character. So the way that I introduced the movie was I had those two side characters introduced first Mm -hmm. one right after the other like in their environments and then introduced my main hero third and then we just progressed with the movie from there in our hero's point of view 
And everyone's note kept coming back that I got very confused that we started the movie with these two other characters because I wasn't sure who our main character was until we got to that third person. And then it just felt like we started the movie three times was kind of what everyone felt. And I was like, fuck all of you. You're all wrong. This is really good. And Mm -hmm. I'm just doing something different. And you don't understand me is kind of where... (laughs) part of my writer's brain went (laughs) two things (laughs) first of all the writing is and was and is amazing number one i was reading i was like oh my god tasha's like gotten better at writing since last week (laughs) and then that's number one and then number two you actually did say you were trying to do something different like that you're like well don't you think it could be different so I, i mean that was my that was my question was like is it because we're not used to seeing a movie open this way and we're so used to movies opening with our hero that when we see these other two characters first, we're like jarred out of what we're used to? Like, because if that's the note, I would like people to think differently. But if the note yeah. is actually objective, like this just objectively doesn't work as the intro to a movie, that's the important note to pay attention to. So Josh, like, what I mean, do you think, <laughs> not to put you on the spot about my script yeah. from last night, but... <laughs> Do you feel like objectively introducing two like kind of secondary characters before your hero doesn't totally work for an opener? Mm, Well, just for the record, you actually stated that so-and-so was your hero when we are, when we meet your hero in the script, it actually says that. So I wasn't like confused. I was like, oh, okay. I kind of knew what you were doing, but it's weird because it's like, I feel like readers and producers and even viewers are sort of programmed into that thinking of, especially when it comes to film. All right. So something we have our cold open or whatever we have in the opening. And now we meet our hero. And if we don't meet our hero, we're going to meet other people who are directly connected to our hero. And like whatever we see them doing funnels into the hero's introduction. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's a really interesting point. And I was talking about this with a couple other Act 2 writers about the cold open. Because in this particular script, I have a cold open. And then I have two secondary character intros. And then I have my hero intro. So there, I get that there's a sense of like three different starting points to this script. And when I was talking to these other Act 2 writers about openers, and they were like, no, Tasha, you can totally do what you're saying. Because look at like Star Wars, right? Star Wars opens with the Death Star plans and the princess and the droids going down to the planet. We don't get to Luke until pretty late into the movie. I mean, late into the first act of the movie. And I was like, yes, that is true. And that is a fantastic example. But what that particular movie does really well is it presents a problem of the movie and a question of the movie and then says here is the hero who's going to answer that question this random farmer boy on this nowhere planet and so it is all connected like you're saying but in my opening i think the Mm -hmm. reason why people were bumping was because there was this cold open that asked a question of the world and our hero is going to be the answer to that question but then it was an introduction to a secondary character and then an introduction to another secondary character. Yeah. And that's, I think the part that got confusing. So like the, the, the solution I pitched last night, which I still like, and I'm going to try for sure is, is there a way to get to those two introductions through the point of view of our hero? So we are still meeting our hero directly after this 
cold open that asks the question of the movie or our Death Star battle plan opener. Yeah. Go right into our Luke Skywalker. And then through Luke Skywalker, we meet those two secondary characters. And you can still keep the beats that I wrote. It's just like, does is is our main character literally just like out the window, <laughs> like yeah. observing this, uh, observing our intro to these characters. So it, it's again just like bring your hero in earlier. And then allowing him to, allowing the audience rather to experience these introductions through your main character. So I'm going to try that. And this is a really long-winded thing, but I feel like it's really important to talk about these kinds of openers because again, I was really attached to this other version and everyone else said it didn't work. So I had to pay attention to it, even though you're all wrong. <laughs> well, I, well, what's interesting is like, I, I hate even, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but for, you know I love Star Wars, like one of my all-time uh -huh. favorite movies. And for the record, they aren't looking for Luke. They're looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Luke's not even like, uh, he's not even part of the plans. Like Leia's yeah. going to Obi-Wan. Yeah. But that type of film doesn't exist as much as it used to. Like that kind of, that that's, I feel like that's somewhat of an outlier in in the sense of, big blockbuster yeah. movies like if you look at even now like the modern day star wars films for the most part it's more in the traditional sense of like okay we have our cold opening and now boom we're gonna meet ray and she's over on this planet and she's doing x y and z but isn't that boring like that's and also unnecessary because the audience is way smarter than that I completely agree. It's boring. And this is, I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but it's it almost like takes a reprogramming of people's brains or it takes someone to do it with their own kind of like money, I guess, for lack of a better term, to be like, okay, this is the way I'm going to do it. And now I'm going to show you the way. And this is mm -hmm. why it can work. And I feel like in your scenario, if you are using a studio's money, they're probably <laughs> going to be like, hey, now we, we have to go the more traditional safe route on this. Well, I think even besides that point, like there's something creatively that I'm, I'm seeing a difference between the Star Wars opener that we're talking about and the opener I have. Because mm -hmm. the Star Wars opener, you're right, they're not looking for Luke. But Luke, again, is still the answer to the question. He's going to solve yeah. the problem of the movie. And it's really fun kind of how we meander to him and are surprised that he becomes our hero like that's really interesting and makes me want to lean in about like oh like how are these droids going to intersect with this farmer world like that's very interesting but in the opener i'm presenting i have that death star droid opener cold open and then mm -hmm. my movie starts with it, it'd be it'd be as if i had the Death Star plans give them to me they're not here on the ship as my cold open and then i just go and I follow Han Solo for a bit and I introduce him. Yeah. And then I go and I follow Obi-Wan for a bit and I introduce him. And then I go and meet Luke, which is not yeah. the way that movie is written for a very particular reason. We meet Luke and then we meet those guys. Right. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is like, I think I'm missing that piece and that's why it's not working. Yeah. So I think I am wrong as stubborn as I want to be. No, I mean, you're, we, we never know who knows it's art. It's art. It's subjective. It's yeah. And this is the fan. This is the problem with scripts. Even we had received a um an email from somebody who basically was saying that, hey, I have written a ton of drafts and 
I don't know if I'm done. It was, it was essentially, it's like, when is it time to, it was based off of one of our last episode or either the last episode or two episodes ago of when to move on. And mm-hmm. it's just so hard because everyone fucking has notes on scripts. I literally have been done with things and I've given it to you guys for, you know, a character punch up. And then someone comes back with first act like restructuring. And it's like, well, yeah. no, no, no. I, I just wanted to talk about the character stuff. And, but still people see the flaws and, and no one's right. No one's wrong. It's, it's just opinions that you kind of have to sift through. Yep. Yep. So that's one of my this week's in writings. Wow. You. That, that was, that's a heavy topic, <laughs> but that's a great topic. I mean that in like the best way possible. All right. My this week in writing. By the way, this is not my this week in writing, but I just wanted to say I was thinking about the movie Back to the Future as I do every day. Always. <laughs> and I was actually thinking about the opening. And I think if Back to the Future was made in 2022, it would start back in time. Like the cold opening would be some kind of like hook of, you know, Marty in trouble or some shit that then loops together later in Act Two. Like a an actioner opener. Yeah, like an action open. opener where it's mm. like Doc at the lightning tower or at the clock tower and he's like, I'm going to be struck. And then he like slips and falls and then we cut to black and then it's Marty. Oh, like man. That's, that's what I just feel like a modern day Back to the Future opening would be. And I just love and appreciate how uh, confident Back to the Future is. Anyway. Yeah. My This Week in Writing. I watched Speed. The yes. 1994 Keanu Reeves Sandra Bullock classic. Yes, classic. Or 96 or 95 or something. 90s. In the 90s classic. <laughs> and what was what I found really interesting about it is like the first act of that movie, nobody's on a bus. Mm. The entire and in my brain, Speed is a bus movie that operates fully on a bus from like the inciting incident. <laughs> yeah. Until hours of a bus, it is. That's what it, that, that's what it was in my brain. But I actually yeah. wrote down, Keanu doesn't engage with the bus until minute thirty four. He doesn't mm. even get on the bus until minute forty. And so oh, Act wow. One, yeah, I know. And Act One is just full character. Like it's it's the introduction to Keanu, Jeff Daniels, Dennis Hopper, and that interaction of how this dynamic is going to work throughout the entire movie. And they set up like everything you need to know in the Mm -hmm. first act. And I just found it really fascinating because I I think it would still work in an action movie today. hundred percent. And I feel like the studio note there or the manager note or the agent note is, can they get on the bus quicker? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. No. As you know, as you might be aware, and all of our listeners may have heard me talk about a train movie that I've been working on. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, the, that movie literally started where, like, the inciting incident was maybe it was Act Two. They got on th- this train, and a mm. lot of it takes place on this train. But then it shifted where it opened on the train. Mm-hmm. And I, I might have gone studio. I don't know. I don't know. Speed yeah. made me rethink everything. It was one. Of, I was like giving myself notes. I was like, Am yeah. I sure? I yeah. think. I mean, I think it depends on the kind of movie you're writing, right? Because the reason why I think you need that first 40 minutes of setup of Keanu is to know why he has a particular set of skills that mm. makes him the the right hero for the bus scenario, and also right. sets up his rivalry because his rivalry with Dennis Hopper, the villain, 
would not have happened. This whole bus charade would never have happened if he didn't first confront him in that first act bit. So it's not only like, like the first act is all, I mean, obviously the first act is set up, but the first 40 minutes then is all set up to get to the bus. That's really interesting. It's a perfect act break. Like the bus literally, it's just like act two, boom, the bus, here we are. And then if you remember what, like a bus before the bus actually blows up. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, absolutely. It was all. Is that the break into two there? Like when the bus blows up and Dennis Hopper calls him like, there's this such and such bus. You better get on it. He's like pop quiz, hot shot. And what's interesting about that saying is that that saying was set up by Jeff Daniels earlier when they're they're in this elevator shaft and he just casually says, yo, Keanu, pop quiz, blah, 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 blah. But Hopper's listening in on him the entire time. Yeah. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh, that movie's so good. It's so good. Keanu's so freaking good in that movie. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone else is even in that movie. (laughs) He's just so good. (laughs) So good. He's so good. Oh, man. Perfect movie, that movie. You got to break that one down. Yeah, done. All right. I mean, that's something to think about. Everyone wants you to get on the bus quicker, but you don't have to. But you do have to have a reason why you're not. And that particular, even though it's just a straight action movie, the reason is character. The reason is theme. That's why we don't get on the bus till page 40. Wow. That's like the best segue ever for what we're kind of talking about today. Wait, I, but it is kind of a segue to another this week in writing I have though. Oh God, it better be. I can can wait on it though. We can talk about it next week. But that transition, God damn it. All right, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. So I I recently read <laughs> for Scrim Club for Scrim Club um, an action movie that is very mm-hmm. it's like oh, it's speed esque. Right. Um, I read Cut and Run by John mm-hmm. Glenn, and John Glenn is famously the writer of Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan. He is an EP slash writer on SEAL Team the TV show. So action is is his bread and butter literally. And so it was very, very interesting to read this action movie from him. And there are a few tips and tricks that I learned that I'm going to steal from John, if you'll allow me to, sir, that I think are really, really fantastic for just action writing in general, where, for example, in in like the really high action sequences, he will use asterisks as the beginning of his sentence. So asterisk. Josh runs onto the bus. Next yeah. line, asterisks. Tasha yells, don't get on the bus. <laughs> you know, like, and there might be like three or four of these lines that start with an asterisk that are basically the asterisk is just there to say like new shot, new shot, new shot. And he will also do single line breaks. So rather than have, you know, you hit return in your final draft and there's kind of like a, mm-hmm. a small paragraph break. He doesn't do that. He hits shift return, which makes yep. it so that the, the lines are literally right up against each other. And he uses that to signal these are new. These are just cut, 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 cut. And then he'll go back to normal line breaks, if that makes sense. So, yeah, like asterisk, Josh gets on the bus, tight. What I don't know what I don't know what the actual term is, <laughs> like shift return, asterisk, yeah. Tasha yells, don't get on the bus. That's how he how he does that. And then he'll also use colons as well to to quicken the pace of a read so it'll be like josh colon gets on the bus tasha colon yells 
don't get on the bus. I like that, like creates, again, it creates an, an interesting like action pace that I, that I really liked. But speaking to our speed example, cause I swear this was a segue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What I felt was like really interesting about speed versus this movie, like speed is so much about Keanu Reeves, like you said, Keanu Reeves character and him having a particular set of skills, him having like a particular kind of empathy for people, um, the sort of, I guess, ability to think through in a very logical, calm way. Like that's him. And what's so cool about the movie is that he does have a breaking point where he like, he kind of wants to give up and Dennis Hopper has yeah. gotten into his head. And that's kind of part of the arc of this movie. So for Cut and Run, something I thought was really interesting was I was so engaged in this movie, but by the end, I didn't know what it was about. Mm. And so like, this is a really great example where allowing yourself to get to the bus by page 40 is really okay because you're setting up character and it's, it's engaging like speed. Like the character is all through this action beat on an elevator, right? Like it's a whole sequence that's yeah. action and uh, tense and engaging, but it's also all character. And so, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm sort of rambling here, but you know me, I love yeah. theme. Character is king and queen. So like there was something that I was missing in this cut and run script that Speed has in, in spades. What, what, what I find interesting, you're right. And this there, there might be different tiers of how much character is involved. Because with Keanu, for instance, you don't know anything about his personal life. You don't know anything about his mm. parents. You don't really know why Keanu is the way he is. Yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting. Like... Like it's more about the dynamic be between Jeff Daniels and Keanu and their like their friendship and um, I because I was thinking about that I was like why does this work why is this so much character but mm -hmm. you don't really know anything about him mm -hmm. but you care about him is you it do. just because he's so competent and he's just like this badass guy that you're rooting for it's all of those things but you're right it is his relationship with Jeff Daniels there's a a friendship there that's really relatable and really sweet. Like they're just, and Jeff Daniels is a perfect casting for that because there's like kind of a mentor quality to him. And mm -hmm. there's, there's a gentleness to him that makes, that just makes that relationship just so sweet and you want them to be okay. <laughs> right. And by, by extension, like you love Keanu for, for being a part of that relationship and loving Jeff Daniels the way that you do. Yeah. We do need to do a speed breakdown. Yeah. Because thinking of like Die Hard, you just know that McLean's trying to work things out with his wife. Yeah. But with speed, you're you're not really sure. You're like, I don't know what I don't know why this works as well as it does. Maybe the action is so cool that you you forget about the character. Oh man. Is the is a breakdown of speed gonna make me not respect speed anymore? Probably. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but the, the 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 main quality, the amazing quality of Keanu and Jeff Daniels in that is is they they sacrifice themselves for the group of people on the elevator. Yeah. And like it's they're selfless, especially Keanu, of course. Like they're selfless individuals. And I feel like you just start rooting for this person who's thinking, okay, how can I save them? How can I save them? Uh, you know, the police are asking us to wait. We're not gonna wait. We're gonna go through this door and we're gonna go down and we're gonna do this. And yeah, bad guy's still here, and he just keeps going and going. And there's something to be said yeah. about that. That's what it is, because also there's a moment later where Sandra Bullock is like, 
you're not going to leave us, right? She, I think she like asks him that. or And there's a very clear moment in the back half of the movie where it's like any sane cop would abandon ship. Yeah. And like, because he has the opportunity to step back and like try and navigate the situation from afar. But he's like, no, I'm not going to leave you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a crazy bastard who's going to going to help you guys and be with you on this dangerous journey to to save you rather than take a back seat and save you that way there's something so heroic about that that you can't help but uh love his integrity for doing that Mm, this is interesting the heroic character is very lovable right yeah yeah it looks like you're someone you admire i'm like yeah what but. No, it looks like you like you just put something together. It looked like I felt yeah. like you were like I'm like my gears are turning here about yeah. this because something about cut and run that I was noticing um this John Glenn script that we read for Script Club was that I'm very big on like how do we introduce our character versus how do we end our character. That's almost always how I think about my movies. Like that's the first step that I yeah. usually have. And in this movie cut and run the character starts in alabama racing swamp boats and ends in alabama on his farm just kind of like how he started and so you sort of wonder like why did he need this journey of the movie if he's just going to begin and end exactly where he started but then i think of speed and they do not start that character somewhere and then arc him somewhere else right there is that's not part of the movie i want to be honest I kind of forgot how the movie ends. Oh, he ends up like kissing her at the airport. Yeah, there's this, there's the sexy scene where they like they're the last two on the bus, and then they're on like that platform on the the floor of the bus, and then oh, they, it's like, not the airport; it's the street because the subway breaks through the. Oh yeah, no, that's not that's not even the end because she gets taken after yeah. they get off the bus. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. need to do a breakdown. We got. We just need to do it. Yeah, I love that. I just watched Act One of Speed, so I don't fucking know. <laughs> all right all right let's get to the meat let's get to the meat this is actually a little bit of a transition i just want to say something that kind of really helps me because what you were saying is where they start and where they end i'm also a big believer of that as well like mm-hmm. there's something symbolic you actually putting them like they start indoors they end up outdoors or whatever it is yeah and um i actually have found what's really helpful for me is to talk through either by myself or with you or with uh, dave or whoever because sometimes you can't really pinpoint it when it's on paper or on the screen. And sometimes what I'll do is I'm talking through, I'm like, okay, I have these two characters. They're incompatible. One's like plays by the rules. The other one doesn't this, you know, by the, when they start, they hate each other. When they end, they're like together, they're going on a new mission together with yada, yada, yada. And like, that really helps me weirdly just talking things out and vocalizing Mm. it. Like what you're doing right now with speed and cut and run is like what I do for my own stuff because it almost helps me take a step back. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, so today we're talking about how to, how do we build characters? How did Josh and I build characters? And it was interesting when you brought this up because my initial reaction was, I don't build them. They just appear. (laughs) Um, And what you're saying is really interesting because just last night when we had writers group, it was so helpful to just speak out loud. You guys were asking me questions like, well, what does your hero want? Why does he behave the way he's behaving? And while I kind of, I've I've internalized all that and I have answers for them, I've never had to articulate them 
and actually form them into reasonable ideas. They've all just sort of been floating in my brain. And I've been writing to try to, um, I guess, manifest the ideas that are in my head on the on the page. And that's, yeah. as we'll talk about, like, that's my process. But you're right, like speaking about it out loud to someone so that you're forced to actually articulate why they behave the way they are, what drives them, what are their goals, all of those things. You, you realize it as you talk about it. Yeah, and that's totally. an important step of the process. But can I ask you, if someone doesn't have a writer's group, how do you recommend they do that? Should they just talk to their mirror, to a whiteboard? Like, how do you do it when you're by yourself? Uh, you mean just talking out character and yeah. uh, like creating the character? Um, yeah. I mean, I honestly will just do it like I'll go on a walk. Sometimes I'll pretend like I'm talking to someone on the phone so I don't look like a fucking maniac. Nice. Uh, but I'll just I'll just go on a walk and it... For me personally, it's really helpful to talk about um, as if someone is an actual person existing and I'm talking to my friend about John and John is, man, John, he's like this really great guy, but fuck, he just follows the rules and he just paints inside the lines and he just can't help himself. He just is always thinking so far ahead. And because of that, sometimes he's like, he doesn't really like, he gets kind of caught up with. Uh, you know, the rules and he can't really see what's outside of that. And he doesn't really plan for the obstacles because he's so, you know, whatever. So -hmm. that's kind of like how I'll talk about somebody to Mm -hmm. myself. And that's how I do it personally. Yeah. That's really, really helpful for me. It's almost like you're just lying and talking about somebody. When you do that, do you come home from your walk and write any of this down? Or is it just helpful for you to articulate it verbally? And then you just go to go to the script. Uh, sometimes I'll write it down. Like sometimes I need it just to clarify things. I would actually say most of the time I write at least one or two things down, not everything, but -hmm. sometimes I'll discover things in talking about that because as you and I have talked about, I have, uh, been caught in multiple, uh, lies in my life where I have had to talk my (laughs) way out of it. And so sometimes I like, feel like I'm like lying on the spot and I'm like, oh man, even in writer's group, if you guys will ask me a question, I'll try to make it up on the spot, even if there is no answer, just because I'm I can hoping. Fuck. Yeah, well, you've <laughs> known me long enough now. If you didn't know me, you would think that I was thinking about it. Yeah, that's probably true. God damn it. You know my tricks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. It's interesting. I... When I first started writing, I got really into character creation. So I... Had I think I, I even had a program that I believe is still out there called Dramatica. Mm-hmm. It's called Dramatica, and they would have like they'd have you write out what they eat for breakfast, their favorite foods, their favorite clothes, everything about their mom and their dad, and and I thought that that was all necessary to know my characters. But then mm-hmm. once I got into actually writing. I felt that that stuff was less important and was actually really distracting for me to know. And also that I would figure it out as I went. So I, I mean, I don't have this formula anymore for how I build characters for every project. What I do is I like, I'll I'll actually create, like I said, I, I always know, or where I always start is where do I want them to end? Like what kind of person do I want them to become? What's cool is, yeah. is it a visual or is it an emotion or like what is that interesting growth that they are 
What kind of hero are they at the end? And then, okay, well, what is the opposite of that? And how do I paint that picture that really shows, like if the person is on top of the world and super confident at the end of the movie, then at the beginning, we're we're meeting them at their low point. And what does that look yeah. like? And that's kind of how I start to build. And then as I think of sort of the main... I hate to say it this way, but the plot points of the movie, I know I need to hit a midpoint. I know that there's a low point in this character's life. I Once they sort of have that, then I can kind of be like, okay, well, if my character ends here, super confident and super sort of sure of themselves, finally, mm -hmm. then what is the low point for a character who's trying to achieve that? Well, it's probably feeling like they've made all the wrong choices and questioning whether they are right and whether they do have what it takes. So, okay, now I know that that's where I need to arc my character. And then honestly, like I just start writing story. And as mm -hmm. I start writing story, the characters start to come alive for me more. And it does create a little bit of a problem because I've definitely had notes back where, where it's been, why don't you write a paragraph about your character mm -hmm. and pinpoint, you know, who they are, what they want, just like very simply and for me, even even in when I get that note, like when I do that, it doesn't help me. And I don't know why, but like my brain doesn't work that way. I have to see my character in action, walking through a scene, engaging with other characters to know how they behave and what they want. And I just, that's like a really arty answer, but I feel like that's how I build my characters. I can't create yeah. little, little paragraph descriptions of them and work off of that. It doesn't work for my brain. I, I'm completely with you. I, I don't know. Really? Yeah. I can't I can't do the backstory. The backstory does not help me one bit. And I've done it a thousand times. And I've done it with relationships with a father and daughter or just a person. And I don't I, I always thought it was me. And then I just accepted, okay, I don't really <laughs> this doesn't help me. Like Yeah. Oh, this, you know, this was Doug and Doug went to Northwestern and after he went to Northwestern, he had a job and then he failed his you know, like yeah. that, that shit just never it didn't click for me. No. It's interesting because I, I guess I kind of do the same approach. Like, you know me. I'm like, I like to write people who are like kind of figuring themselves out and like, mm -hmm. they're like, who am I? Or a very normal person in a very extreme situation. So when I always start with, when I'm writing my, my like, if I'm like, all right, here's a new spec. This is what I'm going to start with. It's usually like, all right, well, this is a pretty average person. And mm -hmm what's that person's problem? You know, and like, that's, that's at least how I kind of approach coming in and like, how do you decide what that person's problem is? That's usually the hardest thing to be honest. Like then it kind of then breaks out of character and more into story where I'm like, oh, what story am I trying to tell? Like, what's the mm -hmm. deal here? Is this like a person who needs to, you know, conquer their fears or like, you know, like that, it, it kind of like, goes back and forth in terms of like, well, cause you know, stories, character, character is story for me at least. So I, I don't, I kind of justified in that regard. I mean, what you're saying is you're, you're calling it story, but really it's theme because <laughs> I love that word yeah. because yeah, it, what theme. your story is about is theme. And if it's about a father daughter coming together, then your starting point is your father and daughter are estranged or like they're not getting along very well. And mm -hmm. then I start to reverse engineer from there. And it's like, okay, they're not getting along very well. Well, why? Has something happened recently? Is is mom in the picture? Has mom died? And does maybe daughter blame dad for it? Like I just, I start thinking about those things and I'm not at this stage writing anything on paper, which is maybe very weird. 
but that's mm-hmm. how I sometimes <laughs> writing is weird. Okay. And I wish I had better advice of like, I yeah. always do this and I just don't always do anything, but I will often have a, like a new notebook for a new project, like sitting next to me are two different notebooks for two different projects I'm working on. And in there, if I'm having this conversation with myself, I don't talk out loud. I don't take walks though. I should. Instead, I will scribble in there just I like long form. I just prose like yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Like mom and dad, sorry, dad and daughter don't get along very well. Maybe mom died and I'll just like, like journal it essentially. And then never look at it again because I just mm-hmm. need to get this information out. And then yeah. I'll in getting that information out and usually longhand is how I need to do it in those initial stages. Typing it out feels so permanent. It feels like that's a later stage in my thinking process. Journaling is where I I come to the conclusion and might take five, 10 pages before I get there. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Yep. I know exactly why my uh, daughter and and dad are are not talking right now. Yeah. Weirdly, our process is somewhat similar. I like that's so interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. And I also believe like if I'm thinking about it, if someone says something or if I say something and it's a good idea, it's going to stick with me. And you know, it's mm-hmm. really funny about me saying that I actually had to message Dave today to re to just be like, hey, remember those ideas you guys gave me yesterday at writers group that were really good? Can you tell me those again? Because <laughs> I was drinking some rosé and I guess I, I didn't did notice my- you didn't write anything down. <laughs> in my I was like, "Oh, I know it stuck with me." At that moment I was yeah. like, "There's not a chance I'm going to forget these." And I remembered <laughs> one of them and then I forgot the other one and I was like, "Oh, well, okay." And I didn't want to like stick around too long on the topic, so I just I just Hilarious. let it go. And I like to just think things through and just write it down. But it's it, I don't know, man. Writing characters is really freaking weird. It is weird. Really weird. There was something I wanted to bring up. I think I kind of overlooked it in This Week in Writing, but it's all tied into this, is I was thinking about how I've been watching a lot of things recently that have really made you sympathize with characters. And mm. this is this is a trick like that everyone uses, but I've watched We Crashed, that mm. Jared Leto a thing on Apple, and then Winning Time, the Lakers story. And mm-hmm. I watched Pam and Tommy. Uh, Pam and Tommy. Mm-hmm. And what they do to really make you kind of get on board with all the characters is they always do flashbacks of like when they were younger and showing mm. what people's lives were like when they were kids. And I find that really interesting. I feel like that also can kind of help inform just character in general, like knowing these kind of things, maybe yeah. not writing a town, but I've been noticing that a lot more lately. Yeah. So can I add, I feel like I have a few questions around that, but one is when you create your characters and you start to build them, do you think about their childhoods? Is that? No, no, no. That was more or less, unless it's like specific to the story, but that was more or less just me kind of bringing up this week in writing that I forgot. Mm-hmm. And just to get it out of like a way that uh, people like it's, it's just a way to latch onto a character. But for yeah. me personally, no, I don't really think about the childhood. Yeah. Ever. I think for me, it depends on the character. If who they are when the movie starts, and again, I've already done that work because I know where I end and I know where I want to start. So if the person who I start the movie with, if who they are when we meet them is not caused by an event of the movie or something that just happened to Mm -hmm. cause them to launch on the journey of the movie, then I think more about who they were 
before we meet them in the movie. So I think about yeah. more of their childhood because that's that's all information that I need to understand to translate so that you understand when we first meet this person mm-hmm. where they're coming from. But if there's like something so recent that happened to this character, like for instance, their dad just died before we meet them. Yeah. And I know that their dad or I want them to be, let's see, I want this character to be really, really torn up that their dad just died. So they must've been really close. So I at least know that piece of information. Then I will just start thinking about that relationship. I might attach a few memories from childhood to that relationship so that I understand why my character is so upset. So I can try to get in their heads. And that from there is why I will build backwards to childhood. But you're right. I don't start with childhood, which again, this Dramatica program I used to do when I first started would have like childhood memories. <laughs> I'm like, I don't it's know so that crazy. answer yeah. for 90% of my characters. Could I come up with them pretty quickly because I know my characters so well? Yes. The answer is definitely yes. Um, but I think I've I've gotten good at being able to decipher what I need in order to portray this character well and what I don't need. Yeah. I, yeah, I like that. As you were saying that, I was realizing like a big thing that I do is just kind of figure out what their big problem is and work mm-hmm. backwards. Yes, that's a really great way of putting it. Once you know what that is, you can create a backstory to fit the problem versus like, I think that's it. Like, that's why that dramatic problem didn't work for me because it started in the wrong place. You you don't start with like, I want a character who really loves mac and cheese and mm-hmm. was bullied one time in eighth grade. You start with what is this character's journey and their problem and go, okay, were they bullied when, in eighth grade? Hmm, does that create the person that I want to start this movie with? You start there yeah yeah and like i was uh, like thinking about the adam project Uh, i don't Mm -hmm. know if you've seen it or not no not yet which i really liked it but it's like i'm just using this as an example because like so many movies that are just so great like et adam project whatever it's like these themes are about something completely different and they're Mm -hmm. placed inside of really big movies and yeah i just love that so i feel like if you can come up with like what that big problem is what the character needs to overcome then you can throw it into any scenario yeah, that's Anything it. you want. Yeah. Fuck, we just crack character. That's it. Just do that. Can I go back real fast to, no. to what you mentioned about um, the, the shows you've been watching recently that flash back to their childhood? Yeah. And do you feel like that's necessary? Do you feel – oh, that's not the right question. Do you feel like that's more interesting and engaging to watch how they were as kids to better explain who they are as adults? Or do you think it's more engaging as an audience member to watch them as an adult and get clues to why they are the way they are instead of being shown it? I think about this all the time. I think in Winning Time, the HBO one, mm-hmm. it's really effective and it works because – like for instance, there's a character – that you, Jerry West, the, you know, I'm not, this is no, no spoilers or anything, but you're like, wow, this guy's a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Why is he not an asshole, but like, why is he such like a disgruntled dick throughout this entire thing? And then they kind of do a flashback about him. Um, excuse me. It's Pat Riley. It's about Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. And then they do a flashback to when he was a child and his dad and this and that. And it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Now I get the way why he is the way he is. So for me, it works. It's effective to see flashes of like key moments when someone was a child that Mm -hmm. was really impactful on their life. For instance, Mm -hmm. you know, if there, if you have a character 
and they were left as a child for 15 straight hours and they didn't get to eat. Like, I'm interested in seeing like that person, that kid, like crying in the corner and you're like, wow, yeah. I sympathize, but not like a 20 minute scene. It could be like 30 seconds. You get it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting question that I don't have an answer to because we talk a lot and this is sort of an industry standard to say that flashbacks are a cheat and mm -hmm. to Which use I a wanted. flashback is yeah. the easy way out, right? Because you have a character who's an adult and why don't you just show what you need to show with them as an adult? Why do you have to flashback to them as a child? But obviously there are so many examples where it works so well. So there is a clear... There's somewhere in there is a yeah. reason why you flash back to the child and why that works better than not doing it. And I sort of wish I could articulate that delineation. Yeah. No, me too. I've been trying to figure, I'm, I just talked to you about a flashback and you were like, don't do a flashback. It's cheating. I'm trying to like show this couple when they were yeah. good and a flashback would be really helpful. But it is yeah. kind of cheating. But at the same time, this goes back to your thing. What you were saying is, is it more interesting to see or to kind of fill in the holes and wonder what happened with a couple and why are like, why is this person the way they are? Yeah. Can't the sequel be the, the prequel? I think that those are the questions I ask myself and like, do I go to the flashback? Flashback is always the last resort. And it's yeah. because can I really effectively tell the audience or show the audience rather who this character is without having to show them younger or in a flashback? Is that actually the more engaging version? Because then you're forcing the audience to put those pieces together themselves. And that can be extremely satisfying for an audience. But in the example you're talking about, it's probably very hard to understand why this guy is an asshole. And you can see some shades maybe of him as an adult that make you empathize with him, but you're not going to see like the reason for being. There's no getting around that. Like you have to go back to that moment. And so I guess that's where for me the line gets drawn is I try every way I can in my brain of like, how can I get this information out that's really engaging? And if there's another answer than flashback, I will go with that. 100% at the time. But if a flashback can give me information that the present can't, yeah. That's when we start entertaining the idea of a flashback, which I have flashbacks and like a lot of my shit even though <laughs> I don't approve of them. So just know if you ever see a flashback in anything, I've thought of other ways to try and do it and it didn't work as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like apologizing for myself already. <laughs> and just know when you see my flashbacks, it's because it was the first thing I went to. <laughs> because <laughs> i was tired and lazy <laughs> uh, fuck this shit i have flashback all day i think the big takeaway here is find the big problem and work backwards i think that's it that's that's how that's how we build character starting end yeah. point work backwards wow we did it yeah I'm really curious. I want to talk to, and if any of you do it the other way really successfully, like I want to know how that process works. I'm so curious because that's just never yeah. my starting point, but that's not to say it doesn't work for some people. And I just want to reiterate something you said. We can talk about our characters in depth once the script is written. Like this isn't something where it's like, I don't think you're saying you skip over the origin story of your, you know, your right. story about. Who, but it Jane comes it comes about as I'm writing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It just comes later in the process. Mm -hmm. I'm going to quiz you. By the way, future episode, when flashbacks worked on in movies. 100%. Absolutely. We will do that. Great idea. Done. Okay. All right. right. Go to the day. Failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. C.S. Lewis. You know I love those. No. (laughs) Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman, Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.